This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. So we have a very special guest on today's podcast. This person is a uh, very important part of my coaching story and a very dear friend of mine, and his name is Ian Lane. Ian and I have a long history with each other, and Ian is a player that I actually once coached, and Ian has also worked as my assistant coach. He has been the JV coach at the high school where I was the varsity coach. Ian was actually my boss as as he was the head coach of a U10 team, and I was his assistant coach when we worked together in San Luis Obispo for a very brief, uh, brief period of time. But more importantly, Ian has now moved on, and he is part of the San Jose Earthquakes uh, program in Northern California. And Ian has a very, very interesting story to kind of tell. And this is probably going to be the first of many times that I'm going to get Ian to come back on the podcast. So what you're about to hear is only a small bit of Ian's story. And we talked a little bit about the struggles that he has already encountered as a very young coach that is trying to pursue the highest levels of coaching soccer here in the United States. It's something that, as many of you probably know, is not easy to do. And I didn't tell Ian that this is where the the conversation was going to go. We actually talked for about an hour and a half. What you're about to hear is about 30 minutes of our conversation, and I'm going to save the rest of it for another podcast episode. But in the other podcast episode, we detail basically – or we, we go through and we talk about his entire training session from one of the San Jose Earthquakes uh, training sessions. And that's a super interesting conversation. But like I said, I didn't tell Ian that I wanted to ask him these questions on purpose because I wanted to see how he would answer them. And you're going to hear me try to pry the honest answers out of him. And I finally got to it. Uh, I'm super excited to have Ian on the show. And... I couldn't be more thankful to have him as part of my coaching story. And um, like I said, I'm kind of at a loss for words right now as I'm recording this. I didn't write anything down. I'm just kind of free-flowing right now. Uh, So I guess we'll just get into today's episode with Ian Lane. Uh, Before we do, I just want to give you a quick reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the 343 Coaching Program a program that Ian is actually a part of. And your support as a member of the 343 Coaching Education Program is actually what funds this podcast. So if you are a coach in the 343 Coaching Education Program, not only are you getting an education that transforms you into a far better coach from the guys that have gone through it, gone through that transformation themselves, and are now considered among the top in the country, but you are also helping sustain and develop this podcast. You are helping us keep the lights on. If you are not a member and you're wondering what the 343 membership can offer you, it is the complete online resource that will help you reduce your trial and error time and help you get right to the work that matters. You will learn the cutting edge training techniques that have been proven to develop better and smarter players, better and smarter teams, and better and smarter coaches. 
The 343 Coaching Education Program gives you insider access to exclusive videos of training sessions and full games with additional education from ebooks, audio interviews, Q&As, and online forums for networking and collaboration with other 343 members from across the nation. To learn more and explore all of the benefits of being a 343 member, visit 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 34 and 3, coaching, all spelled out, .com. All right. I had to power through that because I've been feeling a little sick and I can tell my nose is super stuffy. So I hope that you guys understood any of that. But let's get into today's episode with Ian Lane. All right. I'm going to try to, I'm going to transition and do a, a, a different realm get you out of uh get you out of talking about training all right one of the one of the things i wanted i wanted to talk to you about and one of the things that gary's been talking to joey and i about lately is about some of the struggles that we've encountered not just like as a coach on the field but maybe just like you know what it's like to be a youth soccer coach or try to trying to become uh, a higher level coach and i know that you have aspirations uh, to do much of the same as, as Joey and I, um, Joey was fortunate to kind of get his opportunity at LAFC and then with LA galaxy for a little while. Um, and and he's, he's moving on to a different project, um, which is, which is a good thing, but you've kind of been on this like accelerated path that, that has kind of taken you to not the, not the top by any means, but, uh, to a much higher place than much or than many like mid twenties coaches uh, would probably ever dream of being. So, I guess tell me tell me exactly where you are now, or tell the tell the listeners exactly where you are are now, and let's talk a little bit about what's gone into getting you to where you are now. Mm-hmm. So now I'm with the San Jose Earthquakes, and there was kind of recently a, a reshuffle. So um, they used to be partnered with a club. I can never remember the name. Coastal Valley, I think. Um, and, and now the Earthquakes, the MLS franchise, they, they actually run the San Jose Earthquakes club team now. So I'm with the San Jose Earthquakes club team. I have the 07 PDA1 and PDA2 teams, which is the top two club teams. Um, PDA stands for pre-development Academy. So it's below the development Academy uh, teams. And then for my 06 teams, I have the PDA two team and the red team, which is uh, just below the PDA two team. So the second and the third team for the 06 club. Got it. What I'm trying to figure out the right way to, to ask you some of these questions. Cause I want to make sure that I'm, I, I know that you can't say certain things, because of your affiliation with the San Jose Earthquakes, but I know that there are certain things that you can say about your uh, about your journey. So, what what were some of the things that made you want to get into coaching youth soccer? What were some of the things that that were kind of burning at you when you were kind of at the end of your youth playing career that transitioned you into youth soccer coaching? Um, for me, it was, I mean, basically at, you know, 16, 17, uh, discovering a whole new level of, of soccer. Um, I've never really made a secret of, uh, I'm a, I'm a Barcelona fan and I'm 
in every every team I've ever been a fan of, I'm I'm a I'm a front runner. So I don't I'm I'm almost never rooting for the underdog. <laughs> so watching watching Pep's uh, Barcelona team just blow everybody out of the water um, was kind of eye opening for me and and get really getting into the the Champions League games and kind of following their progress from year to year to year. Um, that kind of inspired it, kind of a new love for soccer for me. And and watching those teams. I understood that there was more to it than just good players. Um, I didn't know what made Barcelona so good. I didn't really understand it. And, you know, reading and, and watching more and more of them and understanding that, you know, there was a whole set of movements behind their attacking and the way they defend collectively was, was really impressive. So kind of seeing that extra side of the game that, you know, even at 16, 17 years old, the whole, a whole different level of tactic tactics that I'd never seen or understood before uh that kind of really renewed my love for for soccer for a while and i got into watching all sorts of games and you know following all sorts of teams and different styles and and stuff like that so for me that's kind of what ignited um a new interest in me in, in soccer for me was understanding that like playing a dominant possession style and winning games 4-0 and having 75 percent of possession it's not just about passing the ball or having the best players, that there's a lot more thought and nuance behind it. Um, so for me, that's kind of what really helped me go from being, you know, a player at 17, 18 to, to getting more involved in the coaching side at, you know, 19, 20 years old. And just for the, the sake of kind of time, I guess, let's skip over, I guess, your first coaching assignments and we can kind of, I, I guess I can just kind of highlight those. I mean, you, you obviously did some personal training, you did some assistant coaching and then you were, you were handed your first head coaching job. I want to say before you were 21 years old, am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you had your first head coaching job, which was for a high school girls team. And you kind of had, uh, for lack of better terms, you kind of just had like a blank canvas and you can kind of do whatever you wanted. And you were this new young coach very ambitious. Do you remember what your first roadblock was? My first roadblock. I mean, I guess for me, the, the, the scariest thing as a coach is you, you, you work on your things in training and you, and you have all these ideas and you never know how it's going to go until the game kind of gets in, you know, whether, and that, and that, that's true for me even today, as I mentioned, you know, starting my last season, um, with the, with the earthquakes, you know, you do all this stuff in training and then sometimes it comes crashing down around you and sometimes it works better than you imagined. And sometimes, you know, it's par for the course. So I guess, I guess that was, that was that for me was, was a lot of nerves and a lot of, a lot of uncertainty, um, just not knowing how it's going to go. So, I mean, that was kind of my, my first little roadblock, I guess, that I had in, in mind um, was, yeah, just like knowing what, what's going to work in a game and knowing how to effectively train it like that, that was, that was pretty scary for the first year or so. And then you started to get pretty comfortable and your team started to kind of come to life. But as, as I know, there were, there were kind of other, other factors that were happening in, in your life. I don't know how personal I can get with you right now, but there were other factors that were happening in your life that definitely affected how you were able to coach and how much you were able to coach. Um, and I think those, those struggles are more, 
of, of things that have kind of built you to how you are today more than anything else. So I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about any of that type of stuff, but yeah, yeah, definitely. So what, what else was maybe happening around you at that time that kind of helped form who you are today? Yeah. I mean, so I was a full-time college student at the time when I, when I started coaching and trying to balance school and studies got really hard. Uh, balancing that with coaching soccer because I was so much more into the, the coaching than the, than the school part. Um, so that was, that was definitely causing me some stress for a while when I'd rather, you know, I would, I would sit in class and take a couple pages of notes and then do a couple pages of soccer exercises and, and drills and whatever happened last game. And then after probably a month into the season, if even that, I would end up just writing the the heading from whatever PowerPoint the teacher had on that day. And then the next four pages would be nothing but soccer, soccer, soccer all over it. So trying to balance that, that was, that was pretty tough for a while. Um, just because I, I really lost interest in school pretty, pretty completely. Um, so kind of having to, to buck up and, and balance that out a little bit better with my coaching and um, all that stuff. And, you know, finish my degree a little bit behind schedule. Uh, that was, that was definitely another kind of challenge I had to overcome. Um, but for me, that was kind of good because it kind of put a, I don't want to say a chip on my shoulder, but that's kind of what it was, um, that I, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And I knew that I had to get better at it to, to have any chance of, of making a living out of it or, you know, making anything approaching a living out of it. So that was kind of good for me that, that I recognized that, you know, this was something coaching soccer was something I was super, super passionate about. And it was so much easier for me to do hours and hours of work coaching than it was for me to do, you know, an hour of schoolwork or even sit through a lecture. So I think that was, that was good uh, for me in terms of kind of really focusing me and, and making me take everything a little bit more seriously um, on, on that end. You're, you're skipping over a big part of why school was, <laughs> was such a struggle. <laughs> What what was making you feel feel like you even had to show up to class? I'm trying to get yeah, you to I'm, say this without me yeah, saying it. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, it was it was my parents, you know. Um kind of growing up, it wasn't like going to college wasn't an option. That was something that me and my brothers all knew we were kind of expected to do and and do really well. Um and for, for both my parents who came from, you know, a much a much less well off background than than I did growing up. Uh, for both of them, school was kind of their way out. Um, I mean, my dad, they, they met at Fresno State, but my dad um, went through school. He went through medical school. He uh, he worked in the Air Force. Um, the Air Force paid for his medical school, so he had to work for them for, for several years once he got done with medical school. But for for them and, and for their, I, I would say their whole generation, you know, college was was really the way out that was how you kind of made something of yourself and my dad was really living proof of that and, and he's gone on to have a really successful uh, medical practice and my mom you know same thing she went through school she graduated with a uh, a business degree and she owned her own business for a while so for both of them school was kind of the way out and, and that was kind of the pathway you took to kind of do things and my, my brothers and I were all you know we all got pretty great uh, pretty good grades and stuff uh, growing up and going through high school. So yeah, I mean, after a while I was just, I was really sick of school, but I knew that <laughs> I, I knew that I had to, to finish it out. And yeah, for the last couple of years, it was definitely uh, more for my parents than myself. At, 
at any point did you have a conversation with your parents that was was along the lines of Ian, you need to finish school and you need to get rid of the soccer stuff. Like, like school was school should be the priority and soccer needs to be put on the back burner or just thrown away altogether. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, school, school is the priority. That was always the line. Um, but I, I think both my parents could kind of see that I was pretty passionate about it. Um, I mean, my, my mom would always come to the high school games whenever she could make it. Um, and you know, for a while I thought I wanted to be a teacher, but once I got into coaching soccer, I think that kind of scratched the teaching itch, you know, more than enough. Um, but yeah, their, their dream for me for a while was I would, uh, I would teach high school or I would teach, you know, at a school and then I could coach the school team. So that was, that was kind of their, that was kind of their line to me for a while because I think they still, you know, had their hearts set on me, you know, finishing out my degree and, and using my degree and in, in whatever profession it was. Did you ever, or, or can you recall a time when you talked to your, either your mom or your dad or both of them together where you had kind of said, Hey, like, I think this soccer thing is actually going to work for me and I'm going to actually go and pursue this now. Can, can you recall that having that conversation? Yeah. It, um, so a, l- a little bit, I think my parents kind of recognized, you know, and they could, they could see me struggling with the, with the school side of things. And they saw that I was pretty serious about the coaching stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think they really didn't take it seriously until I got the job with the earthquakes last, last summer, to be honest. Um, I think, I think it, it's, and, and even me as a coach, it's hard to see the next step. Um, it's hard to see, I mean, it was hard for me to see myself going from uh, coaching with a fire where, you know, it's, it's a small town, it's a small club. Um, but you know, none of the coaches there really make a, a full-time living doing the soccer thing. There's just a couple that also, you know, their full-time living comes from coaching at the, at the university at Cal Poly. But yeah, I think, I think it was hard for them to see the next step when, you know, once you have your four-year degree, the next step is so obvious. You get a job. Or for me as a teacher, you take a, another year of schooling and get your credential and then go from there. So I think for them, it was kind of hard for them to see the next step. Um, but one, one conversation I remember having with my mom, I was still with San Luis Obispo and we were, we were just on a walk through the neighborhood and we were talking about it. Um, and, and like I mentioned, my, I mean, my dad's a doctor, so my, my family, we grew up, uh, in a good neighborhood and, you know, money, money was never really a concern for me or my brothers or, or anything like that. And, um, I was, you know, still scraping by with slow fire. And I remember telling my mom and, you know, she kind of, that was kind of the point where they kind of accepted that I wanted to pursue the coaching thing and, and talking with my mom and, you know, really thanking her and my dad for, you know, helping support me financially, emotionally, like all that stuff um, that, you know, I guess based on my background, it made it a little bit easier for me to kind of pursue, uh, pursue the coaching thing. You know, when, when I couldn't pay the rent or whatever, I knew my parents would, would always be there to help me out. And I was never in danger of going hungry or anything, but you know, it was, it was tough for me and I'm sure it was tough for them to see some of my other friends go off and, you know, jump into the professional world as soon as they graduated after four years and they're making money and buying new cars and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I just, I remember really looking at my mom and, and saying, thank you for, for helping me and uh, allowing me to really pursue my dream, even though the, you know, the financial rewards aren't coming right away. Just the fact that I can, you know, I can be 23, 24 and, 
living in a dingy little apartment and pursuing what I love every day and, and, you know, not having to worry about putting food on the table. If, if, you know, worse comes to worse, not having to worry about that. Um, you know, I, I remember telling her, thank you for, for helping me do all that. And I think that was kind of the, the first time that, that she kind of understood that, um, you know, how, how serious I was about it, how thankful I was. And I think she kind of understood that, you know, after, after us butting heads for a few years that, you know, whether they, uh, whether they meant to do it this way or not, they'd really helped me kind of fulfill my dream also. I think a lot, a lot of what you just said, uh, people are going to hear that and they're going to, they're going to paint you in a, in a certain way. And I want to make sure that people understand that it's not like you were living some lavish lifestyle. You said that you'd have to worry about money, but there were, I don't know how many times I asked you to come meet me for a beer and you're like, no, I'm broke. I can't, I can't meet you <laughs> because yeah. you, because you refused in, in a, I think in a lot of ways to, to kind of ask your parents for that help a lot of times and correct me if, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it might've been because like you were trying to prove to them like, Hey, like this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And whether you like it or not, I'm going to do it. And yeah, you would, I'm, you would, you would show up and you would ride your bike to wherever, to wherever I was to meet me and you'd show up with your shattered <laughs> iPhone screen. And, and <laughs> it was, it, you, you definitely lived a, a different, a different kind of lifestyle than I think a lot of your friend group ended up going or ended up, ended up living. So, um, and it, a lot of that is because, yeah, you wanted and you wanted to continue to pursue this coaching career and it's not easy. It's not easy. And I think that's kind of the struggle that a lot of people aren't willing to go through is that if, if it doesn't fit the norm and if it's easier to kind of give up or quit or try something different or go a different route, then they'll do that. And, and you've shown time and time again that you refuse to give up and you're going to do whatever it takes. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen you collect a $25 personal training check <laughs> just just to go to the grocery store. So uh, I, I commend you on your on your perseverance, dude. Yeah, thanks. What what now are I guess I need to think about this question before I ask it. So you're coaching with San Jose Earthquakes, but you're you're still just another youth coach. So it's not like you've made it by any means, right? Uh, Correct. Yeah. What are some of the struggles that you're having to deal with now, either on or off the field? Uh, and what's kind of your motivation at this point of your coaching career, or your or your life? Yeah. So the the biggest adjustment for me has been a lot of the off field stuff. I mean, the on field stuff. There's been adjustments as well, but. Um, those are a little bit easier for me personally to, to handle just, you know, working harder and going over training footage and game footage and figuring out what went wrong and, and finding a way to fix it. The off field stuff has been a little bit different. This is a, it's a bigger club. So there's more, you know, checks and balances on certain things and more, you know, a little, a little bit more of a bureaucracy, you know, to help get fields and training time and tryouts and all that stuff. It's a little bit bigger. There's a lot more competition from other clubs. So everyone's competing for players and, you know, competing to win league and, and all those things. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of the off field stuff has been tough. Just, just staying organized with four teams and, you know, even just simple things like getting players registered, or if we lose a team manager, replacing a team manager and finding someone else willing to, to volunteer their time. So that's been, I, I think most of my struggles in, in San Jose have been adjusting to, to off field stuff. 
you know, I don't, I don't want to call it politics because I don't, I don't really look at it like that, but, you know, adjusting to, you know, yeah, new groups, clubs, competing clubs, stuff like that. That's probably been the, the biggest adjustment. What were some of the first things that you did when you came into San Jose's uh, kind of club system? Because you go up there and you, you have no clue what your team is going to be like. You don't even know, I think, where you were living at first when you first moved. Yeah. Weren't you living, were, were you living in your van or were you driving from Berkeley or something? Uh, I was staying at my brother's apartment that he hadn't moved into yet in Berkeley. And then I had another friend in Redwood City that I was I was crashing on uh, crashing in his place. That's right. And you were driving the van back and forth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So you, you move up there. You, you don't even live in San Jose. You, you're driving from either across the Bay. So Berkeley for people that aren't familiar with California is probably what, f- at least on a good day, 45 minutes on a bad day, like two hours. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right in that ballpark. Yeah. So, and then Redwood city would be a much shorter drive. Um, yeah. 30 minutes road. on a good day. Yeah. Maybe an hour. Yeah. So you're driving up there. You don't even live in the city. You're inheriting these teams. Who knows what the players levels are like, or even if you have complete teams. So what were, what were some of the first steps you did to kind of get yourself, uh, get yourself in the door there? Yeah. So a big one was, um, <coughs> sorry, a little sick. A big one was, was at tryouts, just trying to get a sense of the level. So, um, I was, working at trials a lot with the U12 Academy coach, Mark Christie. So he had a, he has a basically first pick of the 06s and 07s in, in setting up the Academy team. So kind of getting a sense for the, you know, the, the playing style and the type of players that he liked um, and kind of what the level looked like. So I knew that my level would be, you know, for the 07s and 06s, it would be a little bit below his. So trying to get a sense of like, okay, what does a San Jose Earthquakes Academy player look like at U12, at U11? Um, and then that kind of helped me kind of sift through other players at tryouts and, and have a better idea of, um, you know, what, what the different levels looked like and, and how, how far off or how close to the academy level uh, the other 06 and 07 players were. So that was, that was pretty big for me to help uh, adjust to a new level and then doing the same thing with the 06, uh, the 06 players. So getting a sense of the, the, the players that the 06 PDA1 team coach um, that he was into and, and kind of what his top players looked like and the next year and, and so on, just to kind of get a, a good sense of, of the level of the team. And when we would run the different exercises at tryouts, whether it was keep away or small sided games or one V ones, kind of getting a sense of the level there, the space they were operating in and, and kind of getting, uh, you know, a baseline set for the players. And then uh, another thing that I did was um, try and speak with, returning players, parents, and, and team managers and, and other people involved with the teams on, you know, kind of what, what went well the last season, um, areas they'd like to see improved, um, just so I kind of I kind of got a sense of, of what the parents wanted, of kind of what the, the stakeholders in the, in the team, kind of what they were looking for from, from a coach. Because like I mentioned, the, the, the town I came from was San Luis Obispo. It's smaller, different size club, different expectations, um, so I wanted to kind of get a sense of what the what the culture around the club was like and and kind of what people were looking for from, you know, a brand new coach. And everything was just like roses right when you came in, right? Everything was just like perfect. Oof. No. <laughs> <laughs> without without, you know, incriminating yourself, I guess. Uh, are you able to, to kind of talk about what some of the struggles like that or with the with the parents or administration were? 
Yeah, like a uh, a little bit. I, I would say even just the the raw number of players we had at tryouts and, and all the age groups and stuff. You know, just just for me personally, it was it was tough to keep track of of all the different age groups. Um, and yeah, being being new, you know, who were the returning 07 coaches, 06 coaches, getting in touch with them about players, you know, just just basic things that I know heading into this summer that I'll be able to handle better. Um, just just basic stuff like that. Um, yeah, those were those those were some of the biggest struggles. Just you know, feeling like a deer in headlights coming to every training and and not not being too certain of uh, of how everything was going to fit together uh, at the end of tryouts. I'll I'll sum it up for everybody and say that there's problems at every level that you are ever going to coach at. So you can read into that whatever you want, <laughs> and Ian, you don't have to you don't have to respond. Um, what uh, what are what are your goals now that you've been at San Jose for a little while? Your teams are starting to kind of get their their uh they're kind of get like a like oh, what am I what word am I looking for? A foothold is that a word? <laughs> they're they're starting to find their footing. There we go. Yeah. There uh, go. <laughs> so they're starting to find their footing. Uh, you as a coach and as like a young man, you're starting to find your footing in a new city and a new club with new teams, new players. So what, what are you kind of looking forward to at this point and, and what are some of your, your new goals? Yeah. So I guess what I'm looking forward to, um, I've, I've really enjoyed kind of getting out to the Academy sessions whenever I can at, at all the different ages. I think I've seen every team from the U12 team to the U19 team, uh, train. And I've seen, uh, a, a few games, not from, I haven't seen all the teams playing games, but, you know, just trying to get a sense of, of what the academy level is like, what the, uh, what the coaching is like um, at, at that level and kind of the, the, the factors that the, the other academy coaches find important. Um, I've, I've made it, uh, I haven't made it a secret to the, to my bosses at the Quakes that, you know, I, I can see myself moving, you know, all the way, uh, all the way to the first team eventually, given enough time. Um, within the same organization, which is a, a really big opportunity, I think for for me um, to have the potential to you know basically move it, move up within the same organization and not and not have to hit a ceiling somewhere along the way. Um, so um, I guess the ne- the next step for me largely would be trying to get on with um, you know with the academy if there's a, if there's an opening or if someone if people get promoted from within and there's an opening. So I'm I'm trying to get a sense of the level of work and the level of detail that, that goes into coaching these academy teams and um, you know, the level of the players as well, just getting a, getting a sense for that and, and understanding, you know, how far behind I am in, in that journey and, and how far behind my teams are from that academy level and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I, I guess that's kind of what I see as, as, as next for me is, is trying to, to merit a spot within the, the academy's coaching staff. I'm trying to figure out right now, like how long it's been since we've actually talked, because it's been a long time, huh? It has been a while. <laughs> was it Thanksgiving or Christmas? When did we yeah. When did we play pickup last? I think it was Thanksgiving. I don't think we ever got the Christmas game going. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it's been let's see, December, January, February. Yeah, like almost three months. Wow. Yeah. That's that might have been the longest that we've gone without talking for <laughs> for the last like five or six years. It might be. It might be. We, we text a lot, though. That's true. That's true. Um, well, I definitely I, – I, I know we've recorded interviews before, 
And man, if I can if I can uncover it, I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best to find it. That stupid video that we recorded in your apartment. <laughs> Remember oh that one? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> if I, I can I, find I it, I think I had to change my shirt because I was sweating so bad. <laughs> <laughs> if I can find it, I'm gonna post uh, it. But I don't know right. where I don't know where it would be. Uh, but yeah, that was at least like three years ago, probably. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I, I I can't believe that it's I, I've never actually had you as a guest on the podcast before, but I, I, I think that this is going to be first hopefully many times I can get you back on. So, uh, I appreciate all your time and, and the way I'm probably going to split this up. I'm actually going to take this last portion that we just finished talking about and I'll probably make this its own episode. And then we'll make the episode about your training plan, uh, its own kind of standalone episode. I think that's kind of how I want to run that. So cool. Yeah. You'll get two episodes right off the bat. All right. Returning guests on on. I was episode. gonna say that that, put, <laughs> that puts me in rare company. Who else have it, you done twice? Tom Byer, Tom Byer, Ted Westerfeld, Gary, uh, Kefern Fuller. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Brian. Oh, actually, I've only had Brian once on the on the public podcast. Yeah, I've had him for multiple Q and A's in the membership, but yeah, never. Uh, Never on the podcast. I'm trying to think of that. Might be it. That might Wanda? that might be it. Eric, Eric oh yeah, I've, I've had Eric on twice. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, uh, man, I, that that has to be it. That I, I can't I can't think of anybody else. Maybe some of the guys that I recorded, you know, when I before I even had a microphone. Some of those guys I yeah. might have interviewed twice. Yeah. And I know I'm gonna, I'm going to interview uh, Topher again, Chris Kramer, here pretty soon. Um, some other guys too. So. Yeah, but I definitely want to get you back on the show and and get everybody some updates because I think that a lot of people can relate to uh, number one the level that you're coaching. So that same age group of you know 06s, 07s, or you know from eight years old to twelve years old because I feel like that's where you've been the last few years. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I feel like you just have a cool story to tell, and I want to make sure that people that people hear it. So to to kind of keep tabs on you and, and introduce you to everybody uh, along along the way, I think is good. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Cool. Uh, anything else that's on your mind that you want to get out to people? No, not so much. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, look for this episode soon, brother. All right. Sounds good, John. Right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. Thank you to Ian Lane for coming on the show. Sorry, dude. I didn't intend for it to take so long for me to bring you on my own podcast, but you've been there right by my side the entire way. So uh, best of luck to you up in San Jose and keep pushing, dude. Keep pushing. Uh, if you want to hear more from Ian, tune in soon because I'm going to release another episode with Ian Lane talking about his training sessions from his time at San Jose Earthquakes. (coughs) Sorry, I'm super sick. I got to get out of here. If you want more information about this show or about 343 or the membership, visit 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343coaching.com. All right, we will catch you guys next time here on the 343 Podcast. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye.